0: At least six people are feared dead, including a nine year old girl, following the intense storms in southeast Queensland. The girl's body was found following an extensive police search after she was feared lost in stormwater drains in Brisbane Tuesday. Another body was recovered in Moreton Bay after a boating accident feared to have taken the lives of two more. A woman has died in regional Victoria after a campground was hit by flash flooding, and a man in Victoria's east and a woman on the Gold Coast have also died after being hit by fallen trees. The Bureau of Meteorology, Angus Hines, says the challenging weather conditions are expected to continue into the late evening Wednesday. A couple of areas to watch out for where severe storms
1: remain possible on Wednesday from about Sydney across to Melbourne, primarily around the border between Vic and New South Wales and some further severe thunderstorms possible around
2: central and northern parts of the Queensland coast, maybe clipping Brisbane at times. But by and large, by Wednesday afternoon, we're starting to see the end in sight for this thunderstorm outbreak. We will see a slight easing trend to the conditions by then.
0: Rescue crews in Queensland will resume their search for the person missing in the storm water drain in Gympie. Deputy Commissioner of Queensland Fire and Emergency Services Kevin Walsh has told ABC a total of three people have entered the drain.
1: There have been people lost uh, as a result of the tragic circumstances over the last couple of nights and there are still people missing. We had Swiftwater Rescue crews and SES crews uh, searching for people at Gympie last night where three people entered a drain and one person surfaced safely. Uh, Unfortunately, we found another person deceased last night and that search will continue today with Queensland Police Service uh, to try and search for the third person.
0: Severe storms across Australia's east have currently claimed six lives. A man's body has been found following a search in a newly opened beach in Sydney's west. Emergency services were called to Penrith Beach on Boxing Day after a man was seen going underwater and not resurfacing. Three rescue boats and two helicopters joined the police search and the waterways closed to the public. Emergency crews found the body of a man believed to be in his 30s. A report will be prepared by the coroner. The man-made beach in Penrith Lakes opened to the public one week ago. In international news, Russia says one of its warships in the Black Sea port has been struck by Ukrainian aircraft. The airstrike took place in Feodosa in Russia-occupied Crimea. Russian officials say one person was killed in the attack and several others are reportedly hurt. Israel's military chief says the war in Gaza is likely to go on for many more months. Chief General of Staff, Herzi Halevi, says defeating Hamas will require determined and persistent fighting.
1: This war has necessary and not easy goals to achieve. It takes place in complex territory. Therefore, the war will go on for many months and we will employ different methods to maintain our achievements for a long time.
0: The Hamas-run health ministry in Gaza says almost 21,000 Palestinians have now been killed since the war began in early October. Israel's government says it's no longer granting automatic visas to the United Nations employees, accusing the UN of being complicit partners in Hamas tactics. Israeli government spokesman Elon Levy says for too long international officials have been deflecting blame onto Israel to cover up the fact that they are covering up for Hamas
1: in failing to condemn Hamas for hijacking aid and failing to condemn it for waging war out of hospitals, they have been complicit partners in Hamas's human shield strategy. They have let the world down, we are demanding global accountability and now we are leading by example. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs has announced that visa requests by UN employees will no longer be granted automatically and will instead be considered on a case-by-case basis.
0: A new photo exhibition in Melbourne documents the stories of Greek migrants to Australia. The viewfinder exhibition at the Hellenic Museum features 40 years of photographs. The photos were taken by leading documentary and portrait photographer Effie Alexakis who has been recording an archive of Greek diaspora since 1982. She says she wanted to go beyond the stereotypes with her
3: work. We wanted to change the stereotypes that existed. Whenever um, a mainstream media wanted to focus on a Greek person, they would choose someone in national dress or they would choose a cafe. Even though I have photographed people in national dress and cafes, we wanted to say that, They were these things, but much, much more. They became academics, they became all gamuts of um, Australian society. They're involved in everything. So it's important to recognise and see ourselves in exhibitions, in galleries and museums.
0: Australian supermarkets have started stocking their shelves with Easter hot cross buns, despite Easter being 96 days away. Coles and Woolworths stores around the country have started selling the baked goods from Boxing Day. Some consumers have expressed surprise online that the product has been launched so soon. Woolworth's merchandise manager, Donald Keith, says the demand is there post-Christmas for the Easter treat.
2: It's never too early for hot cross buns. I think our customers show each and every year that it's the right time to come out. We sell about 1.8 million hot cross buns in the first week. So we know our customers are looking for those traditional hot cross buns.
0: Coles says it's aiming to beat the number of hot cross buns sold last year of 2.5 million. The opposition is accusing the federal government of failing to help Australians over the rising cost of groceries. Labor said it was planning to review the Food and Grocery Code of Conduct in October. But as yet, no one has been appointed to lead the review. Nationals leader David Littleproud told 2GB. It's time that supermarkets markets were held accountable.
1: When you see a 60, 70 percent reduction in sheep and lamb prices, yet only an 8 percent reduction at the checkout, someone's cleaning up, and it's the supermarkets. And then you look at even watermelons, a dollar a kilogram, they're paying the farmers, but they're charging about four, four fifty a kilogram, and all you have to do is pick it out of a paddock and put it in
4: a truck.
0: And in sport, the Sydney Hobart fleet has been reduced to 98 boats after an overall honours contender, Maritimo 52, was one of the two retirements on a stormy first night of racing. The 50-footer Sticky pulled out with electrical issues. Rival Supermaxis Ando Comanche and Law Connect are the race leaders, some 35 nautical miles ahead of their nearest challengers. In cricket, David Warner wants Australia to put the foot down in search for of first innings score in excess of 400 in the second Test against Pakistan, but acknowledges it will be a tough ask. Australia will resume at three to 187 at the MCG with Marinus Labuschagne and Travis Head at the crease. A three-hour rain delay frustrated both sides and means Australia will look to increase their run on day two. Today's weather, Wednesday 27th. Broome is sunny at 34. Perth is partly cloudy at 27. Adelaide is cloud clearing at 26. Melbourne, a shower or two at 23. Hobart, similar forecast at 24. Albury, Wodonga, partly cloudy, 29. Canberra, shower and storms um, at 24. Wollongong, shower or two, a possible storm at 26. Sydney, a shower or two at 29. Newcastle, mostly sunny at 32. Brisbane, a shower or two, possible storm at 34. Townsville, shower or two at 33. Cairns, much the same, at 33. Alice Springs is sunny at 41. Darwin is showers, possible storm at 35. And the Torres Strait Islands, possible shower or storm at 32. Welcome back. I'm your host, Nori Pakai, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the show, Barama Blow talks with NITV Saka Pachova about Seabubs, this swimwear company creating brightly designed swimwear that is eco-friendly, SPF 50+, and features design from multiple Indigenous artists like Leah Cummins and Alkenya um, Edwards. And, The Fergusons are one of the original families on Gambania Country. Evelyn Nanny and Andrew Ferguson worked tirelessly during the 1950s and 1960s to deepen understanding between Aboriginal people, the local government authorities, and the general Coffs Harbour community. We revisit the podcast series Conversations on Country with Auntie Sue Hoskins. But first, let's take a look at some of the stories from NITV News Summer Yarns.
3: The one year people dancing in celebration at Queensland's Parliament House in Mianjin, Brisbane. After a decades long fight, more than 79,000 hectares of the Bujamala National Park has been returned to its rightful owners. Today marks the beginning, hopefully, to the end of the suffering of our people. Real change to which our future generations will benefit from forever. Bujamala and its famous gorge was part of Lawn Hill Station, one of Queensland's largest and a place of brutal frontier violence. The state government committed to handing it back two years ago and has co-designed the first management agreement with any traditional owner group. It's time for a new future, and we see Bujimala as the heart and soul of our future and the success of the Winy Tribe
4: going forward. Because it's always been part of our bloodline, it's always been part of our stories, our ceremonies, our culture, our creation stories, all come from the heart of that gorge. It's only right that it is the birthplace for our future.
3: As part of the agreement, the year will lease Bujimala back to the state, the first successfully negotiated over a national park in Queensland. It's very, very special as a government to be able to walk alongside community and say that we're going to do things differently. While the one-year people are excited about the economic development opportunities, reviving culture on country is what they're most looking forward to. You know, just getting our young kids back on the country and not only jobs and not, but, you know, learning, getting the culture back, getting the language back and all that as well.
4: The agreement we've reached with the state government is going to be a blueprint for how Aboriginal people can succeed in the future. It's going to be a blueprint, I feel, for how we can do treaties with the state and federal government, how we can have our voice our way from our own tribes out in the bush.
3: A moment set for the history books as mob reclaim their birthright. Tanisha Williams, NITV News.
0: The film, which stars newcomer Aswin Reid alongside Oscar winner Kate Blanchett, tells the story of a nine-year-old orphan who arrives at a remote monastery run by a renegade nun. NITV's Emma Kelleway sat down with Warwick and Kate to learn a little bit more about the story behind the film.
2: Warwick, this film has been described as deeply personal to you and it's been 18 years in the making. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey?
4: Um, you know, it's one of those... You realise that you, as a, as a storyteller you kind of actually need to live a bit before you... Well, I do personally. So I, I kind of call it the, the film that was written by um, a child and directed by a grumpy old man, in a way. But it was written with a very particular type of energy, which, I mean, you've evolved and changed as a human and as a filmmaker. Yeah. And it's, it is interesting because we read it fresh, not I mean, knowing that it had been in your sock drawer for 18 years yeah. and you thought it was a bit smelly. But <laughs> we came at it completely fresh, and so it had this timeless quality, and we responded to a whole lot of other things that maybe you hadn't realised you were even
2: speaking to. After I attended the screening last Monday, someone said that anyone that knows anything about colonisation could connect to this film. Is that something you intended?
4: You know, in a selfish way, I make films for myself because the the films that I make sometimes are not necessarily in the cinemas. So I make the films that I'd like to go and watch. I make films for Australia just as much as I make them for myself. So, So, you know, who I am, where I come from, and the way I think is always part of the the storytelling that I tell you know what I mean, so colonization is just everyday part of my life, so i 'm always going to work that way you know and try and give voice to the voiceless you know and you know you, you try and balance storytelling you know what i mean it's just it's not there 's not a line drawing it, drawn in the side in the sand between good and evil and yes and no mm. in a way, you know what i mean it 's sort of Trying to make a film where you see that everyone's trying to survive and they use their survival tactics to, to do good things as well as bad things, but they don't understand that they're doing good or bad in a way. It's a really interesting balance.
2: And on that note, for Aswan and the other um, kids in the film as well, it was their first uh, taste of film. What was it like to see them coming through and debuting in this film?
4: Um, (laughs) You were (laughs) terrified.
5: (laughs)
2: The blood
4: would drain every morning when they'd rock up. The Lord of the Flies, I'd call them. But they were extraordinary. They were an amazing band of brothers.
2: A band of brothers. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks. Thank
4: you, Sue. He has a passion for Christ. And I feel that he may
2: even
3: follow in my footsteps.
2: Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio.
0: Welcome back. I'm your host, Nari Pakai. Coming next, summer is in full swing and as many of us head to the beaches, it's time to protect our youngest ones. NITV Radio Saka Pachova spoke to Barama Blow, co-founder of Indigenous Swimsuit
5: Brand for Kids, Sea bubs. <laughs> During the holidays most of us will head to pools and uh, rivers and beaches, but the strong Australian sun keeps parents on alert and searching for the best protection for their little ones. One of them was a couple from Nam, Melbourne. Looking for a swimsuit for their little bub led them to create their own brand of swimsuit with indigenous prints and indigenous stories. And one of the founders, Barama Bleu, is now joining us on NITV Radio. Hello and welcome.
6: Hello, how are you?
5: Good, how are you doing?
6: Yes, very well, thank you.
5: So can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself and, you know, how your mob is and where you are from?
6: Yeah, so uh, yeah, my name is Barama. Um, so my mom's up uh, Garang Garang. So Knuckle is um, Stradbroke Island, North Stradbroke Island in Brisbane. So that's our uh, traditional name is Menjiraba. And uh, Gurung Gurung is um, down Bundaberg way, also in Queensland. So I've got that from um, my dad's side. And, um, yeah, but I was born in on Boon Wurrung land in Melbourne and I currently work on Bunerong land. And, um, yeah, I, I actually teach First Nations culture at daycares and primary schools as well as, um, yeah, I started this baby swimwear company with my partner called Seabubs. And um, one day, me and my partner, we had our first son. He's two years old now and pretty much... You know, she put him into the water and, you know, we're not Coddle parents but uh, the Australian son's a very harsh son so uh, probably lasted about one minute in the water before she took him out and put him under cover and we just sort of found that there wasn't much um, on display for protection of kids. Definitely didn't know Indigenous prints or anything but searched long and hard for bathers and, you know, you see some ones with a shark on it maybe. You know, they might have, a you know, an, a dolphin on it but there was nothing that really, you know, screamed out you know like unique or you know nothing bright. so we just saw of a little gap in, in the market and we decided to pursue this uh business just me and my partner and it's been um you know a big journey so far but
5: mm. and so what were the things you were look, looking at when you wanted like a swimwear for a baby
6: uh well firstly just offering protection so the one thing that I noticed, especially with um, well, we've got a boy, so with our with the boys swimwear, they're they're always short little board shorts. Or they're um, if you do get the rashy ones, they're always cut off at the sleeve. So we decided to um, you know, design rashies or um, swimsuits that you know protect their whole body, including their neck. And we also have included hats as well um, that protect their neck and their face. So I mean, just even looking at like the kids health websites, they just Really strongly recommend, um, you know, kids have always got sunscreen on and, you know, they're fully protected because the Australian sun is so harsh that, um, you know, parents don't really realise how what the effect it does to baby skins. One thing as well like um, that we did that was pretty unique is, so I don't know if you know this, a lot of parents don't know this. Like I didn't know this when I found this fact out, but you actually can't apply sunscreen on babies um, till they're over one years old. So, um, our swimwear company starts at three months. So, the three to six months and six to 12, we've got them fully covered from the legs all the way down to the arms. And they've also got handcuffs and feet cuffs as well for those babies that may scratch, but also to give them protection.
5: You also work with Aboriginal artists to create the designs. Can you please tell us a bit more about that?
6: Yeah, well, the big part of our company and what we wanted to do was display Aboriginal culture because, you know, I've, um, I've got an Aboriginal background. It's really something I'm passionate about. So we actually um, seek the uh, first Indigenous artist was Leah Cummins. She's a Queensland woman. Um, we stumbled by, across her by chance. But we always know we wanted to incorporate Aboriginal art because I think it's really important for young kids as a young age to be learning, you know, the different art styles, the different artworks, and just display um, the culture and the artwork because, you know, it's similar to, like, the AFL when they design new football jumpers, every single year with different artwork. And, and it's not about the Aboriginal kids so much, you know, because they're always going to, you know, display their culture. But we want, you know, non-Indigenous kids to, you know, learn about these artworks and these art styles and, and be embracing, you know, I'll say Aboriginal culture, but it's Australian culture because, you know, if you are Australian, this is your history. So it's really important just to, like, you know, stamp that mark on and and listen to the stories that our artists tell us because it's got a bit more meaning than, you know, a bather that you might find, you know, that has a shark on it. These ones actually have a story on it and the kids can learn about these stories from um, these artists. So we've got a new Indigenous artist now, Elkina Edwards, for this New Year's range. And the point behind that is we introduce a new Indigenous artist each year because um, we want kids to be learning the different art styles and we also want um, an artist to be getting back work. So we always give full credit to the artists. They're generating more work from working with us as well. That's the whole sort of plan behind it. Mm
5: -hmm. and you said that each swimwear is connected to a story can you tell us a bit more about that
6: yeah so um on our website seabubs.com.au, it's got all the um, artists so we give full recognition to the artists so for example I'll give you Leah Cummins it's got a story about her so she designed um, a couple of artworks for us but there's this one called ocean meets land and love of the ocean so the ocean meets land this is the story so it's a beautiful design with all these different sea creatures on it, different, um, you know, symbols. This is the little brief of it. So this Indigenous design created by Liam Cummins, the Proud Maya woman from northwest Queensland. This Indigenous piece is inspired by the ocean, meeting the land, celebrating all creatures, big and small. Each circle signifies the connection we have to the land and the ocean. May we all care for the ocean as we care for the land. A healthy ocean is part of our healing of the land, waters and seas. So that's about one of the um, artworks because we are an eco-friendly brand as well. All of our bathers are made from recycled material. So, you know, a big part of being um, Aboriginal is protecting country. So we want to make sure all the kids, you know, um, are giving back to the land on what they take as well. So we are caring for country.
5: Mm -hmm. Is that something you are telling already your young son? He's two years old. So is that already something, you know, at this age you are telling him and telling him the stories of, of the clothes?
6: Yeah, well, hes I don't think he would uh, quite understand at the young age of two, but um, I'm making him sure that he's, um, you know, very proud of his culture and he's learning, like, I do play the didgeridoo and um, I play it at home and he loves when I play that. So I'm making sure that he knows about Australian history, about Australian culture, um, you know, about protecting the land and, um, you know, all those different stories that we have with um, our culture. So he is learning from a young age. We may not understand quite as much yet, but he would definitely be on that path to understand.
5: Thanks a lot. That was Barama Bleu of CBAPS. Thank you for joining us on NITV radio to talk not only about swimwear and protecting our youngest ones on the beach, but also about culture and sharing that with kids and parents.
6: No worries. My pleasure. I hope everyone can follow our journey. And, um, you know, I just want to get that message out about, you know, protecting the kids and our young kids learning a bit about Aboriginal culture because I think that with um, education comes understanding.
0: That was Saka Petrova talking to Barama Bloke, co-founder of Indigenous swimwear, Seabubs. You can find these bathers for the little ones at seabubs.com.au or on Instagram and Facebook. Welcome back. You're with NITV Radio. We look at Conversations on Country podcast series with Aunty Sue Hoskins. Aunty Sue is a proud Gumbangil elder living in Kos Harbour. In this episode of Conversations on Country, she tells her story of growing up at the Ferguson's Cottage, now recognised as a local landmark.
1: Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are warned that the following recordings may contain the sounds and voices of deceased persons. Conversations on Country is a series of diverse stories of place and being of the Goombangia, Dhangati, Biripai and Waramai Nations.
7: You could hear the waves of a night time, that's how close it was. It was a hop, step and a jump as the saying used to go. So yeah, it wasn't far at all. Um, I'm Sue Hoskins. Um, my ma- maiden name was Ferguson. Ferguson Cottage, it was a caretaker's cottage for the Public Works Department, which was building where the Deep Sea Fishing Club used to be. And they they had a caretaker there. Um, And when it moved, he moved. He didn't have that position anymore. So, yeah, the the place was, I suppose, showing appreciation. This is how I put it, anyways, for the you know the time my grandfather worked with the public works and yeah, just appreciation for his part in working down there. For me, it was a jewel in the crown, and it was beautiful because we had the most beautiful scenery. We just had to walk down to the beach for a swim or try and catch worms for Nan to go fishing, um, or get pippies, um, whatever you could use for bait. Mum and them used to sit up on the veranda whenever we went swimming, just to sort of keep an eye on um, that we were okay. When I moved out here to Boambi East here, that's when Ferguson Cottage was—I'll say—registered as a heritage listing, which made me so proud and happy that you know somewhere where my nan and grandfather lived was being put on that list. Because it's not a—it's not an easy achievement to to be heritage listed. Um, I cried when I got that. Um, uh, that news I always say to myself and other people I believe my grandmother was the founder of reconciliation because when we were kids it wasn't easy like school you'd get told when you're 15 you could leave but my grandmother was was adamant that we go to school and get an education because she always said you know, you're as good as the next person. And Nan was a person that lived in both worlds. You know, she had white friends as well as Aboriginal family and extended family friends. Nan even had that, um, (laughs) I don't know whether charisma is the right word, but even the police would have a laugh with Nan and they always respected my Nan. And they'd always go to Nan and talk to Nan about things. And another great friend she had was a Simmons. Um, and I think the old Mr. Simmons, I think his name was Jack, I'm not sure. But, um, he loved fishing and so did Nan. So when he'd go fishing, he'd, um, he'd pull into that to where Ferguson Cottage is, have a yarn with Nan and, Asked her to go fish. And the reason behind that was because Nan used to make him, cook him dampers in the sand and he loved that. He'd bring the flour and the water and whatever else. So that to me was my feelings about re- reconciliation because my Nan could live in both worlds where back, back in them days it was hard for Aboriginal people but my Nan was one in a million. And probably everyone says that about their grandparents, but to me, she was one in a million. We used to have some big storms and big seas. Um, the, you'd see the waves breaking over the break wall. And um, we'd virtually stay in bed. Because we had to walk to school and there was no way Nan had let us walk to school in that weather. But the, the tides used to get really high there and the waves were huge. But we had a little chip heater that we had to get wood and make a fire and heat the water up to have a bar. There wasn't any shower, just a bar. Um, and the fridge was, um, first off, it was an ice box, and the men used to, have to go down and buy a block of ice, come in, and then they used to wrap it up in a sugar bag. Then Nan got a kerosene fridge where we had to, like, fill a, like a tank with kerosene, light the, I'll say, pilot light, until the basic, Electric fridges came out, um, and then did have one of those. The only entertainment we had was a radio, um, and the only thing, <laughs> 10 o'clock comes, you couldn't make a noise because that was when Nens and, and Mum's cereals were on. And I still remember one was called Dr Paul and the other one was Porsche Face's life. So they went for about half an hour or so. But within that time you could not make a noise. Otherwise you'd interrupt and you'd get into trouble. (laughs) Nan was the boss. If we wanted to do anything we had to get we'd ask mum, but go and ask your grandmother. So you know, it was a chain of events before a yes or a no was given. (laughs) My grandfather passed away first and Nan was there. She lived there. My parents broke up and mum moved over there with Nan. Yeah, my mum, my mum lived there then for years and years and years. I was there when I had my first child, my eldest daughter, Victoria. I went, actually went to the hospital from there. And me and my husband lived there for a while and then we moved out with his parents I think I used to live at Wangala, and I'd go down there and maybe spend weekends or take the kids down and spend the day um, and, you know, take them to the beach because that was was it, uh, Ferguson Cottage. I don't go down there anymore. Um, From what I've heard, um, it's virtually fallen down, you know, the... The years of neglect, I suppose. I'm sorry, but yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just fallen in, and I think it's disrespect to my grandmother and what she stood for in this community. You know, we should try as hard as we can to have that place restored. Yeah, in honour of my nan and my grandfather, yeah, just to show respect for an Aboriginal place that has been heritage listed.
1: Conversations on Country is proudly brought to you by SBS and Saltwater Freshwater Arts Alliance and was recorded on Gumbangir, Dangati, Biripai and Warramai land. Our storyteller for this episode was proud Gumbangir woman, Auntie Sue Hoskins. Theme music was recorded by Grow the Music with Carrie Munro-Greentree on guitar and Ben Ferguson on didgeridoo. Special thanks also to Maddie Whitford. Production of this podcast series was by Simon Portis and Liz Keene. From Headline Productions with additional production by Maddie Whitford. A big thank you also to the Murray Aboriginal Language and Culture Cooperative for their guidance. I'm Michael Jarrett, Darundang.
0: And that's what we have for today's program. You can listen back to the program anytime online or catch any of the stories on our website at sbs.com.au. NITV Radio will be back on Friday for more stories right across the country. I'm your host, Nairi Pakai, and thanks for listening. We leave you with this final song.